Good morning. Welcome to our morning service here from Elgin Baptist Church. Let us hear the words of Psalm 148 as we prepare to worship God in the singing of two songs. The psalmist writes this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Well, let's do that as we sing, first of all, all creatures of our God and King, followed by praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. We're going to be led in prayer this morning uh, by Gilbert. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are, Father. We thank you that you are a God of love and of peace and mercy and grace and we thank you that you are holy and sovereign and above all things father and i just thank you that your plan of salvation began before the world was created father and was fulfilled in christ and his death and resurrection on the cross father and will be fulfilled fully when christ comes again father and so i just thank you that you have all things in your hands father i thank you for the peace and the assurance that we can gain from knowing that truth, Father. And with that in mind, I do lift up to you this global pandemic, Father. We just thank you that, despite all the chaos, Father, that you are in control. And we do pray, Father, for those looking for treatments and vaccines. We pray that you would grant them success, Father, and that you would bring about an end to this uh, pandemic quickly, Father. Bring about an end to all the restrictions and chaos that's been put into our lives at this time. We pray that you would bring a bring about an end to it quickly. But we thank you, Father, and we acknowledge though that these things are in your hands, and we pray that your will would be done, Father. And we just uh, thank you for the way that you're working through it, and we just pray that you would continue to do that. That you'd be speaking to us as a church, Father, and as individuals and as Christians at this time, Father. That you would be um, challenging us and changing us and renewing us, Father, refreshing us. We pray that. Um, yeah, that you would just be speaking to us through your word, by your spirit, Father, and shaping us to be more like Christ each day. And, and so we just pray that you would um, also protect us, Father, keep us healthy and safe, protect us from the virus, Father. 
And we do pray for those who are struggling with it, particularly with health or uh, mental health or um, maybe job loss, redundancy, whatever challenges this pandemic might have brought in people's lives at this time, Father. We just pray that you would strengthen and equip them, that you would help them, that you would have your loving arms uh, around them, Father, and that you would just um, present yourself with them, helping encourage each one, Father. Even this morning, even today, Father, we just pray that you would help us all just to know a bit more of your presence with us in our lives. And, and we pray, Father, that we would walk a bit closer with you. And so we do thank you for uh, today. We thank you for this service, Father. And even although it's done virtually and not the way we would maybe ideally want it to be done, Father, we thank you for the technology that allows us to do it like this. We thank you for Graham. And we thank you for his gifts, Father, and preaching. Thank you for his ministry in Elgin. Just pray a blessing on him as he continues to have to adapt to these changes, Father, and, and preach into a camera and all the challenges that brings, Father. And most of all, Father, though, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. We thank you that you speak through it, Father. And we do just pray this morning that you would speak powerfully through your word, Father, by your spirit into each one of our lives. Challenges and changes, Father. Sanctify and renew us. Help us to be made more like Christ by the preaching of your word, Father. And we just pray um, that in all that is said and done in the service and today, Father, and in all the churches that are meeting in whatever way, Father, in this country, in this land today, we just pray that your name would be glorified and lifted high, Father. And we pray as Christians, you'd help us to be salt and light in a dark world, Father. So we just lift up the service to you, Father. We just pray a blessing on it. And we just pray that you would meet with us each one, even in our own homes as we watch this this morning, Father that you would just bless this time to us. And so we ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, boys and girls, good morning to you. I wonder if you have ever thought, if only I could be like so-and-so, or if only I could do what Jimmy can do so well, or, or, or what Lucy can do. They are so good at what they do. And will me... I can't really do what they do. Well, when I was your age, I used to want to be able to play football like George Best and then realise very quickly that that wasn't going to happen. And then it took me an awful long time to really understand what God wanted me to do and not be too worried about what other people could do or other people couldn't do. You see, boys and girls, God has created us all different. And he has made you just the way that you are meant to be. And he has given you different gifts that you can use. And he has made me just the way that I am meant to be. And he's given me gifts that I am meant to use. The really important thing is that we all learn to be who God has made us to be. We're going to sing a little song about that now, and it's called, We Are Just The Way That God Wanted Us To Be. Dear God, we just thank you that you have made each one of us in your image, and we thank you for all the gifts that you have given to us and all the good things that you have given to us. 
And we pray that you would help us not to look at what other people can do, but to do whatever we can do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we can we continue our studies in 2 Thessalonians. And this morning's reading is taken from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And they are going to be read by Fiona. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 to 17. <clears throat> but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Before we look together at these verses, let us sing, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Father, we just come to you now, and as we turn to your word, we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit, both for speaker and for hearer alike. We ask that beyond the sacred page, we may seek and find thee, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I recall about a month before beginning uh, my four-year studies at the, the Scottish Baptist Bible College, receiving through the post one morning the first part of the early church history module. It also included what would be the first written assignment, the first written assignment that I would ever have done in my life. The question is forever etched in my mind. Compare and contrast the contribution to the early church of Tertullian and Cyprian. At that point, my kind of heart sank and I thought, what have I let myself in for? As it happens, actually early church history turned out to be one of my favourite modules at my whole four years there. Why tell you that? Well, I hardly understood what compare and contrast meant, far less uh, kind of trying to find 1,500 words to explain the question. However, God, by his grace, got me through that essay and through the four years. There is a certain amount of comparing and contrasting going on in the verses that Fiona just read there for us with what we looked at last week, especially verses 11 and 12. We see that in the use of that ever so important little word, but. Paul has spoken, as we looked at last week, concerning the fate of those who refuse to, to love the truth and to believe. And now he turns his thoughts to those who have believed. And in the verses, he assures them and he commands them 
and he prays for them. So, so let's look at what he says. Firstly, from verse thir verses 13 and 14, he assures them regarding their salvation. Assures them regarding their salvation. Again, he begins by expressing his thanks to God for these brothers and for these sisters. And he reminds them that they are loved, they are chosen, they are saved, they are sanctified, and they are called. All in order that they might share in the glory of, and notice carefully what he says, our Lord Jesus Christ. Over our studies in these two letters, we have looked at what it means at various times to be chosen, to be called, to be sanctified. And here is Paul once again reminding them and assuring them that their salvation, their standing in Christ, is not dependent on them, but it is rooted and grounded in God's love. Twice, twice. In these verses, Paul speaks of it. Verse 13, loved by the Lord. Verse 16, who loved us. He also mentions God's love again in verse 5 of chapter 3. I wonder, friends, if there are times when we just need to, perhaps, as I quite often say, press the pause button and, and, and take time to, to meditate on everything that that being a saved child of God really means. To bathe, as it were, in the sheer wonder of God's love and of everything that it has brought us now and will bring us in the future. And while, as I said, when we looked at the first letter, especially First uh, Thessalonians 1, 4, uh, that, that divine election may at times confuse our minds. It also should greatly comfort our hearts. And because we might not fully understand something, well, that doesn't make it any less true. Jesus tells us clearly in John 15, 16, you did not choose me. I chose you. Let me ask you to think back to when you were not a Christian and, and before God in whatever way began to work in your life. Did, did you honestly have any thought or inclination towards him that was of you? No. And, and I was the same. I thought I was doing okay, thank you very much. Until God started his work in me. John Stott says rather helpfully this, there is no other option, no other option, but to trace our salvation back beyond our decision to the gracious initiative of God who chose and who called us. That, brother, sister, should bring to you no end of encouragement and of assurance. And as one writer says, there may be indeed, <laughs> there are mysteries to our salvation. 
but there are also certainties. And to know, to know you are loved, to know you are chosen, to know you are called, to know you are saved, to know you are sanctified, to, to know that one day you will be glorified all through the love of God is something truly remarkable and well worth rejoicing in and sharing with others. Notice verse 14. For Paul shows us clearly the way that God does this is through the gospel. Friends, it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel that we are called not just to believe, but also to tell out to others. Don't ever think that God's electing love diminishes the need to speak out and to live out the gospel. And indeed, it's the very opposite. It should be a spur for us. It should be an encouragement to our evangelism, to, to know that God has people out there Maybe even listening to this message this morning. Who he, God, has desired, indeed chosen and elected to be saved, should, as I said, encourage us all the more to make this gospel known. Paul knew that well, most notably in Corinth, where again that there was opposition, wherever Paul went, there was opposition to the gospel. Yet God told him, God came to him at night and God said to him, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Other words, Paul, keep proclaiming the gospel. Why? Why, Why was Paul to do it in Corinth? Because God said to him, I have many people in this city. Paul had no idea who the people were. Paul's role was just to go on speaking and not to be silent. We also see the involvement here of the Trinity. We are selected by God the Father. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit and we are saved through the gospel of Jesus. And of course, so all one day, will lead to glory. You see, friends, what began in eternity past, our choosing, will be climaxed in eternity future, our glorification, when we will be with Jesus. Indeed, when we will be like him. Do you see the comparing and the contrasting with last week's verses, the helplessness and the hopelessness of those who refuse to believe, who will perish with those who do believe. No wonder the hymn writer penned these words. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Over a foretaste of glory divine. He is mine and I am his. And let me ask you this morning, is he yours? Do you have this assurance? 
as I thought on this wonderful reality that is ours in Christ. I, I am reminded uh, of what Paul Mallard said uh, at Keswick a few years ago. He says this regarding the Christian. For those who are saved, you look up and there is no judgment. You look down and there is no hell. You look in and the peace of God that passes all understanding guards your heart and your mind. You look back and your sins are covered. You look forward and the glory dawns in the future because Jesus is coming back for you. You are saved, you are sealed, you are satisfied, you are secured and you are destined for glory. To go back to my first ever essay question, compare and contrast all that is ours in Christ, both now and to come, with that of those who refuse to believe. May our hearts be warmly refreshed as we think on the assurance the blessed assurance that is ours. Secondly, from verse 15, Paul gives them a command regarding Scripture. A command regarding Scripture. As he so often does after he has sought to encourage them and to reassure them and to give them reasons to thank God, Paul then goes on to give them further exhortation. He tells them, notice, to stand firm, which again is the counterpart of being unsettled and of being alarmed and of being deceived, as, as we looked at from the early verses of the chapter last week. And the way that they will escape being unsettled or being alarmed or being deceived is, as Paul says here, to stand firm. To hold to the teachings that we have passed on to you. Whether it has been by word of mouth or whether it is by letter. What he is basically telling them is to pay attention to what Paul actually taught them. They are not to listen to what is supposed to have come from him. That is only going to unsettle them. He says, stand firm. He says, hold fast to the truth. Hold fast to the teachings that we gave you when we were with you or even when we wrote to you. Brothers and sisters, this is a command to, in the face of persecution and in the in, and, and of false teaching, to hold fast to Scripture. It gives the idea of holding on almost for grim death. And, and, and both of the verbs are, the, the scholars tell us, present imperatives. That is, they are to go on standing firm. They are to go on holding fast all of the time. There is nothing fake about what Paul has told them. This teaching is truth. And is to be held firmly to. Stand firm. That means do not move away from the truth of the gospel. You see, friends, there are certain non-negotiables regarding the gospel. 
that there is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There are certain truths that are unchanging and must never be deviated from. To, to hold fast basically means to hold firmly to these truths. We cannot be those who hold loosely to Scripture. We are to guard that which was once and for all entrusted to the saints, Jude 1 verse 3, and is now passed down to us. We are custodians and we are guardians of it. I don't think that we can underestimate, indeed we dare not underestimate what Paul is saying here. We live sadly in a day and an age where when many see the Bible's teaching as being irrelevant, as being outdated, not in sync with culture and, and society. We're living in times of or times that Paul Paul foresaw, but when writing to Timothy he says this for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, that is not put up with teaching of scripture, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. As, as a pastor, as someone who seeks to speak and to teach scripture, I am not at liberty to do anything other than by God's grace and the Spirit's enablement to stand firm and to hold fast to the teachings of Scripture. And let me just say that as a Christian, neither are you. Difficult as it can be, these ancient words are ever new and they have the power to change me and to change you and friends when we move away from God's revealed word in scripture then we are on a slippery slope and the road to ruin we saw that last week did we not in our final study in Nehemiah 13. We see it all around us today when sadly, even in church circles, God's teaching on, on marriage, on sex, on gender, on salvation is changed to suit culture and society. As I've often said before, we must never let culture shape scripture but scripture shape and change culture and society. I encourage you to stand firm, to hold fast. In order to do that, you need to know the truth. Of course, there is a way in which we are to stand firm and hold fast. We are to be winsome and certainly in regards to secondary issues 
not be dogmatic. Here's the challenge. How are you doing in relation to standing firm and holding fast to Scripture? Because you see, the firmer our footing and the more grip of our holding, then the less we will be unsettled and alarmed and deceived. Jim Packer, Jim Packer commented back in 1996, that's 24 years ago, he said this, Western Christianity has become superficial and shallow. We do not give ourselves time to soak ourselves in scripture and stunted spiritual development which includes an undervaluing of the Bible is the unhappy result. 24 years on, are we any better? Are we still superficial and shallow? How much time do we give to soak ourselves in Scripture? May we never undervalue God's Word. May we immerse ourselves in it. May we stand firm. May we hold fast. And let me say, brother, sister, if you have let your foot slip, if you have let your hold loosen, regarding God's word, I encourage you to get back to learning it and to loving it and above all, living it. Beyond the sacred page, we seek thee, Lord. Jesus said, these are the scriptures that speak of me. May we stand firm. May we hold fast. The assurance of salvation. The command of scripture. And finally from verses 16 and 17. Paul prays for them regarding strength. We have seen and read enough of Paul. In, in these two short letters alone. To, to know the amount of time that he spent praying for these believers. Indeed he has. He already has made a very similar prayer in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 to 13. And much of this prayer actually mirrors just what he has been saying to them, as he has sought to, to encourage them in regards to their salvation and, and strengthen them in regards to the Scripture. They have come to believe the truth. They have to guard the truth. And now here, and indeed as we'll see God willing next week, the all of next chapter, he is encouraging them to live the truth. Believe the truth. Guard the truth. Live the truth. Uh, verse 16 covers much of what we have uh, looked at already concerning the love of God and, and, and encouragement and, and the hope, the glorious hope that is ours in Christ. And now Paul prays that that may strengthen and encourage their hearts. How we need strengthened, how we need encouraged. But you see where the strength has been prayed for? 
every good deed and word. He is concerned about their saying and their doing. He is concerned about their words and their works. He is concerned that they live out what they say they believe. You see, friends, we have to walk the talk as well as talk the walk. And we know that we can't do that in our own strength. How many testimonies have been lost because the talk, that is what we say or what we believe, didn't match the walk, how we lived and what we did? You know, in many ways, this is basic Christianity. What we say we believe must match how we live. It is not about being saved by good works, but for good works. Good works that Paul in, in Ephesians 2 and, and, and verse 10 tells us God had prepared in advance for us to do. It's a wonderful thought that, isn't it? That in eternity past, not, did, not only did God choose you in regards to salvation, but he also destined the works for you in regards to service. One writer says this, We are not just to be defenders of the faith, but demonstrators of it also. May our hearts be encouraged. And may we be strengthened in this coming week to do good deeds and works. Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you that you chose us, you called us, you saved us, you sang, and you are sanctifying us and that one day you will glorify us. We ask, Lord, that until then, our walk matches our talk as we not only defend but demonstrate this faith, this life that you have called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing song reminds us just how wonderful and how marvellous this love of God really is. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Well, can I thank you once again for listening in to our service. Please, once again, if you would like to know anything further on the, the things that we've discussed this morning and been looking at, then please do get in contact with us. Details will appear on the screen. But uh, thank you once again, and may God bless you in this coming week.